blessed all the nations, and we're the fruit of that. We just thank you. Just pray now that you'd open up our hearts and minds to the reality of your word and the truth of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, this is technology up here. You're seeing live what is happening down in Jerusalem on the Western Wall. This here is the Mount of Olives over here where Jesus uh, went to heaven. Over here is the Dome of the Rock. Here's the Alaska Mosque. And here's the Western Wall. Now, this wall is actually about 1,200, 1,400 feet. And they only have about this much of it where they go to pray. This is uh, uh, built around 600. Uh, and then this came later. And these are both mosques. And recently when they had Ramadan back in March, they had over 10,000 worshipers of Islam up on the mount. So what I'm going to teach this morning is Israel and the prophecy of Israel as the time clock of God. Okay. So, Rob, how do I get this thing going on the slides? Okay, we go. Oops. So, Isaiah 42.9, God says, Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. Later on in 46.9-10, through 10, he says, I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things that are not yet done. My counsel shall stand. So what we kind of witnessed up there was a fulfillment of one of the prophecies in the book of Revelations. And where uh, God says that he's going to send two prophets and the whole world would be able to see them. And they will see them laying on the the pavement for three days, and he rises, you know, and then they're raised to life again. Well, when John wrote that book, he had no idea of what he would, how that would be fulfilled, but we just saw how that was fulfilled, or going to be fulfilled. So, so my topic this morning is Israel, God's timepiece. Well, this week a movie was released, a secular movie, but... Oppenheimer. And Oppenheimer was a Jewish uh, theoretical physicist who in 1942 was enlisted by our government to create an atom bomb. Now, at the time, it was all in his head. It was all theory. Well, within three years, the Manhattan Project, as it was called, resulted in the first bomb. Little boy. And that's the bomb that was dropped on Hiroshima. Later on, the second bomb was called Fat Man. And this was released on Nagasaki. <clears throat> they did not know what to expect as far as what kind of explosion, uh, what kind of damage that these two bombs would create. And as you can see, that would far outweigh all the tonnage of bombs that were dropped uh, by conventional methods. So 
Well, you build one bomb, you gotta build it bigger and better, don't you? So 45, 52, 54, and you don't wanna know what we have now. So the scientists got together and they said, well, we gotta warn the public of what we're doing here. Our technology could create a situation where we're gonna destroy the whole world. So they developed a thing called the doomsday clock because not only were we developing the weapons, but so was Russia. So there was a fear that there would be a total destruction of the whole world. So 1947, they came up with a doomsday clock. And a lot of us here lived through the doomsday clock. 1961, when the uh, Cubans and Russians and the United States got together, it was pretty close. Well, in 1947, the scientists said it at seven minutes to midnight. And here you see, it's an interesting picture because you don't see all the people of the world, so to speak, trying to prevent that minute hand to reach 12 o'clock. So the doomsday clock is kind of like, there's a no hope clock. I mean, if the whole world's gonna be destroyed, just eat, drink, and be merry, right? Well, there's a no so this year, where do you think they set the clock to? I think it's like just a handful of seconds from four o'clock. Yeah. Yep. Ninety seconds. And January twenty-fourth, twenty twenty-three. Or 90 seconds to midnight. Because of the Ukrainian war, because of climate change, I mean, we're being bombarded these days with the idea that if we don't get this uh, global warming under control, uh, we're all going to perish. So the doomsday clock to me is a no-hope clock. But God has a clock. And it's a more hopeful clock. And that clock is Israel. So in this timepiece here, you notice 75. What does that represent? As of 1948, right? We know, though, that that's not true. Because Israel's existence has been over thousands of years. But since God has brought, has kept his promise, they've been back in the land for the last 75 years. So May 14th, 1948, they were established as a nation. The following day, five Arab armies came to attack. And within a year, they said, we just we, we can't destroy them. So they still are in existence today. So there's two prophecies I want to focus on as far as God's um, relationship uh, with Israel as a time clock. I believe that Genesis 3... 14 through 15 starts that prophetic time clock. We'll go that in a second. And then Daniel 9, 24 through 27 lists specific things that Israel has to accomplish before God finally fulfills all his promises. So, Matt, can you read this one here? Oh, senior. Me? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know.
okay, so there's the first prophecy of the coming Messiah, right? I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. You notice that's not offspring, right? So her offspring eventually is, I mean, Eve doesn't know who her offspring is. I mean, she has um, Cain and Abel. Uh, but what happens with Cain and Abel? You know, Abel's killed by his brother, and, and Cain roams the world. And so Satan says, hey, done it. You, you can't have it. You can't uh, have an offspring that eventually will, will crush me. But what happened? She had a son, Seth, right? So the prophecy continues. So these verses are the first prophetic words of God to Adam and Eve and the serpent. Ever since these words were uttered, man has been watching how the fulfillment of this prophecy is going to be accomplished. Newsflash. We are getting very close to its fulfillment. When you think about where we're at in time right now, um, since 1948, well, you know, because most of us are in that time range of 48 and stuff like that. Um, so we've seen a lot of things happen to the nation of Israel. And if you're not a Christian that believes that Israel is Israel and the church is church, um, and the secular world, there's really no reason to sit there and look at Israel through the lens of prophecy. But as believers who believe that Israel is Israel and church is church, we have to look at Israel and see where we're at. So, I believe that we are getting very, very close to its fulfillment. So God chose a man who would be the father of the race of people through whom God would use to fulfill his promise given to Ab and Eve. And that man was Abram. You notice I didn't say Abraham, right? I said Abram. Because Abram was a pagan. He, his family lived in, in uh, Ur, in uh, Babylonia. Uh, they served multitude of gods. And here's the God of the creator of the universe calling him out. And at that time, he wasn't Abraham. Eventually, through several books, he is called Abraham. But at this point, he is still just Abram. Uh, Jim, can you read this one? Okay, so he promises them a land, make a great nation, and your name great. Uh, Abram, Abraham's name is great these days, both for the Muslims, because through Ishmael, and then, of course, through the Jews, uh, through Isaac. But the promise uh, that God made was eventually going through Isaac and Jacob, right? We find that out later in, the, in a couple chapters in Genesis. Um, you guys heard of the Abrahamic Accord? I mean, it's doing great things uh, in the Middle East. There's a lot of economic um, connections with Israel and the surrounding nations. And so <clears throat> you look at that and you think, okay, they're saying peace, peace, right? Safety, safety. Uh, but we'll see what happens. So here's Ur. 
So he goes up here, lives at Haran for a while, and then he goes down. Here we go into Shechem, and then there's Hebron. And so some people wanted to know, like, well, how far are we talking about? Well, from Ur to Haran, 600 miles, and Haran to Shechem, 400 miles. So a total distance of 1,000 miles. So when you think about he took his family, he took his possessions, he didn't have a U-Haul, right? He had donkeys, camels, et cetera, et cetera. So he's doing a 1,000-mile journey to fulfill his promise that God promised him. And he could have sat there and said, forget this God, I, I don't know who you are. I've I got all these other gods I can worship. But we sitting here are the fulfillment of what his obedience did. So why is Israel the timepiece of God? First of all, God is a covenant-keeping God. Therefore, he must fulfill his promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God's reputation is at stake. And to my shame, I did not really truly understand the word covenant until I did the study. I mean, we hear about God is a covenant-keeping God. Uh, Israel is the covenant people. It's the covenant book. But truly to understand what the covenant was all about, like I said, I, I, I didn't understand it until the study. And we'll go over that in a second. So God has to reestablish Israel as a nation and Jerusalem as his holy city in order for the prophecies of the Old Testament prophets and revelations to be fulfilled. And he has to keep his promise. So what do we mean by covenant? And how important is this to God and man? So the Hebrew word for covenant is berith. And the root word for berith refers to cutting. According to Nelson's Bible Dictionary, a covenant has several aspects. One, it's agreement between two parties or people that involves promises on each part of the other. It is more binding than a contract as a contract has an end date, but a covenant is a permanent arrangement. That's why we call the weddings is a, it's a covenant. It's not a contract. Um, how many guys here have blood brothers? You ever had to sit there and you, you told your buddy, I'm going to swear? And you say, oh, I'll swear too. And you cut your finger, right? You become blood brothers. So the cutting releases the blood and you mingle it. So you're basically saying to the guy, I'll die before I break my oath or my promise. Well, that's what this So this is a red heifer. They have five red heifers in Israel right now that are under guard. They're in secret. Because red heifer is very important to reestablish uh, temple worship. Okay. Vince, can you read this one? Okay. We actually see this in Jeremiah 34, 18 through 19. Bruce, can you read that one?
Okay. So this is Jeremiah. And then he talks about, who, first you have one party, right? One party is God. Uh, and the other party, the officials of Judah, Jerusalem, eunuchs, priests, and all the people of the land who passed between the parts of the calf. Rory, can you read that, Genesis 15? And this one. And the sun was going down, and deep sleep fell on Abram. And behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in the land that I that is not theirs, and will be servants there. And they will be afflicted for four hundred years. But I will bring judgment on the nations that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your father in Interesting question. I mean, how bold would you be to ask God, hey, okay, you've given me all these promises, but how do I know you're going to keep them? I think that's a pretty bold question. So God says, well, okay, bring me a heifer, three years old, female goat, three years old, ram, three years, turtle dove, and a young pigeon, and then cut them in half. And so this is kind of a picture of that event. And here as well. So we have two parties. We have God, we have Abram. But what happened to Abram? Put him to sleep. He went to sleep. So how can Abram be responsible to keep the covenant? He can't. Right? So this is kind of like a unilateral covenant, right? Because um, God just drifted him off sleep. But we see, two rep- we see two things represented here, the flame and the cloud. Let me read uh, Genesis and finish this here. In 17, uh, 15, 17, when the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, to your offspring, I give you this land from the river of Egypt to the great river Euphrates. And he goes on with the list of all the nations that he'll destroy. Smoke, fire. Where do we see that later on? In which book? Exodus. Exodus, right? This is 400, this is years ahead before the Exodus. And yet we see God being portrayed as, as fire at night, smoke, cloud in the daytime. So this is a covenant, it's unilateral, and uh, God has to maintain, he has to keep his promise, okay? Um, let me just go down to here. And I will establish my covenant between me and you, your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant 
to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the lands of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And we know that that goes on down to Isaac and Jacob. It doesn't get passed down to Ishmael. Okay? So that's why when you sit there and you hear, reiterate, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he just brings it down. Right? Um, so what's the sign of this covenant? It's the circumcision. Right? So he says, you will be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. So that's why circumcision is important to the Jewish males, because it reinforces the idea that they have a covenant with the living God. Okay. Um, so what's the purpose of the, of the, Israel, is the nation of Israel and the people? For you are a whole people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured position, possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. It's not because you were more in number than the other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping, keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers. Know, therefore, that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and a steadfast love with those he keep, who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. As remember we talked about earlier, it's permanent. It's not a contract. Okay? So, this, I mean, the, the, the covenant is really important for God to keep. Israel has nothing to do. And we know they are not covenant-keeping people. I mean, you just read that. I mean, as soon as 40 days, that when, when Moses got the, the, uh, the commandments, he goes down and what's happening? You know, there's a big party going on and they're, and they're worshiping the calf real shortly after all the miracles God um, produced in front of them. Um, Psalms 105, 7 through 11. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He remembers his covenant forever. The word that he commanded for a thousand generations, that the covenant that he made with Abraham, he has sworn promise to Isaac, which he confirmed to Jacob as a statute to Israel as an everlasting covenant, saying to you, I'll give the land of Canaan as your portion for an inheritance. And of course, there's a lot of stuff going on right now with Israel. I mean, you know, the biggest chunk of land they don't possess is Judea and Samaria. And that's known as the West Bank. And that's where... The, Palestine, the Palestinians call their homeland. And they're trying to establish their capital in East Jerusalem. Uh, and guess who's behind supporting all that? What world body? The United Nations, right? Time after time after time after time again, every time Israel does something that the United Nations doesn't like or the Palestinians don't like, they go running back to the council saying, those Israelis, they're bad people. We want our land. So why does God have to reestablish Israel as a nation in order to fill his prophecies regarding the book of Revelations and the prophets of the Old Testament? Well, he scattered them. I mean, he was responsible for scattering the nation, the nation of Israel, throughout the whole world. 
And when you go to Israel, it's really kind of fascinating because I'll go up to someone and I'll ask them, um, who's your mother and your father? And they will say, well, what do you mean? Who's my mother? Where did they come from? And some will say, well, uh, my dad was from Syria and my mom was from Romania. Um, or my mom was Yugoslavian and my dad was from Iraq. I, it's, just, it's just weird uh, to sit there and see how how God is bringing back these people, and it's just such a collage of people coming in. So, um, when did he really truly scatter? It started in, in, with the Babylonians, right, with Nebuchadnezzar, uh, as part of the time of the Gentiles. But the biggest event happened in AD 70, whoops, AD 70, when the Roman under, army under General Titus destroyed the temple in Jerusalem, killed, captured, or enslaved the population. The Romans played a pivotal role in the prophetic word of God. And we'll see some pictures of that. Okay, Mac Jr., can you read that one? And the Lord was... Junior, Junior. Junior, God, I didn't hear this. Yeah. And the Lord will scatter you among the people from one end of the earth to the other. And there, shall, and there you shall serve other gods of wood and stone, which neither you nor your fathers have known. And among these nations you shall find no respite, and there will be no resting place for the sole of your foot. And the Lord will give you there a trembling heart And, I mean, Moses told the people, you're going to get scattered. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when, okay? He didn't give a specific date, but he told them this would happen. And um, this is real. The Lord will give you a trembling heart, failing eyes, languishing soul. Your life shall hang in doubt before you. Night and day you shall be in dread and you shall have no assurance of your life. And I think of the Holocaust. I think of that period of time when uh, Hitler rose to power and he wanted to persecute the Jews. He just wanted to wipe them out. And I can't imagine the fear that these people went through. Um, a lot of us have read Anne Frank's diary, you know, how she was in fear of every little creek. Is that the Nazis coming to knock on my door or is that someone to deliver food? So, now, I'm not going to read this one. We all kind of know what 9.24.27 is. Basically, God has given Daniel uh, insight into what he's going to do with his people, right? He's going to bring about, basically bring about the Savior. He's going to bring uh, into their iniquity and the sin, and uh, he's going to restore them. And so here we have uh, Luke 21.24. The time of the Gentiles where uh, Jesus uh, talked about, um, about the time of the Gentiles. And Israel still is under the, the curse of the time of the Gentiles. Because even though they have uh, the nation, even though they have their city, uh, they're still under uh, the trample of the Gentiles. And basically, uh, the world rulers, I mean the United Nations, rules over, whether Israel likes it or not, uh, some of the things... Uh, the policies that go forth uh, to affect uh, the Jewish nation. Um, they just recently had uh, an attack, and uh, they went into this town called Jadin, rooted out the Palestinians, and of course the United Nations says, no, 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 no. You can't do that kind of stuff. 
Um, so when he talks about the 70 weeks of uh, Daniel, so uh, this is all prophecy. It's kind of broken up. We, you know, here uh, the decree to rebuild uh, the temple was during this time here, uh, 440 B.C., so Daniel was given, he was given, seven, he saw 70 weeks, and each week, of course, is a year, so it's 490 years from the time where um, the decree to restore the temple to where Messiah was cut off was 483 years. And then we're waiting for the last seven years. We're waiting for Jacob's trouble um, that was, was promised. And then we're waiting for revelations. We're talking for the seven-year peace treaty. So when Jesus was cut off, we have, the, we have this period of time, uh, which has been about 2,000 years, and we call that the church age. Okay. Tom, can you read uh, Luke 19, 41, 44? Okay, so this is when Jesus was coming down uh, around the Mount of Olives, and he oversaw the city, and he saw the temple, and he prophesied. He said, uh, you know, you're going to get destroyed. And so when you see the enemy coming, you know, get out of there, because uh, the enemy is not going to leave one stone upon another. And we saw that, uh, well, we didn't see it, but in A.D. 70, uh, the Romans under Titus attacked the city. Here's the temple. Um, here's uh, down here would be the city of David. This is Mount of Olives here. The Kidron Valley is right here, and um, so they came around this area because you can't you can't come this way. So when the Roman legion attacked, they came from this city, this side of the city, and then they sacked it. Well, how do we know they sacked it? What evidence do we have of that? Um, this is another pictorial of uh, the slaughter of the Jews. Uh, here you see some guys t carrying away the menorah. So today, if you went to Israel and you went to uh, the temple area, you'd see these big, huge blocks. These are the stones from up above. And here we have a pictograph. Or these are carved in stones uh, in uh, Rome, if you went to Rome. And you see the uh, uh, arch of Tit uh, Titus Arch. And you'll see that the Romans carried away the menorah. And looks like um, uh, we're the showbread. And so there's evidence of the destruction of, of, the, of uh, Jerusalem. One of my favorite uh, prophets is Ezekiel. Uh, all the prophets, they're all good, but I like Ezekiel. Uh, and he rebukes the nation of Israel as their idolatry and rebellion is in direct conflict with the name of their God who has called them to serve and worship him only to be a light unto the surrounding nations. But their conduct has brought condemnation from other nations as they see that the people had profaned or disrespected God's name. 
That is, his reputation, his character, his holiness, and his glory. Um, so, in Ezekiel 36, who wants to read that one? Jim, can you read that one? Can you? Is that too small? Uh, she said I'm not confused. Okay. I think she might have The word of the Lord came to me, son of man when the house of Israel lived in their own land and defiled by their ways and their deeds. Their ways before me were like the uncleanness of a woman in her menstrual impurity. So I poured out my wrath upon them for the blood that they had shed in the land, the idols with which they had Okay, and John, can you read this one? Okay, so in just these couple verses, one, God says, I'm going to scatter you. And then at the end, he says, I'm going to gather you. And why is, why is he going to do this? Because his name is at stake. His reputation is at stake. If he can't fulfill the promises that he made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, what kind of God is he? If he can't, if he's not God enough to sit there and um, fulfill the promises to, to Israel, well, what, what hope do we have, you know, as Christians? I mean, we believe on his promises. So you have to fulfill these. Um, okay. Okay, you can go ahead and play the video. All right, so this is a short video, and it's about uh, the dry bones. me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these dry bones 
and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to those bones. I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come breath from the four winds and breathe into this land that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say, Our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. My people, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you, and you will live. I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done it, declares the Lord. So basically, they, um, that whole video is about, uh, he's, she's talking about Ezekiel 37, and God has fulfilled, fulfilled his promise to the nation, bringing them back and restoring them. Of course, when you go there, you know, they're, they're in their unbelief. Uh, they're, they're, they don't have the spirit yet of, uh, of uh, Yeshua, uh, but that day will come. So Psalms 42. 423. Burke, can you read that, please? So Isaiah, Isaiah says, can a nation be born in one day? Yes. State of Israel is born May 14, 1948. And this is where it happened. The man you see up here, Theodore Herzl, in the uh, late 1800s, he um, started the movement, the Zionist movement, and uh, um, he predicted 50 years uh, from uh, that Israel would be re reborn, and he was accurate. 
This guy, Robert Newman, writes, The Jews who were dispersed globally faced much lower odds of retaining their identity outside their homeland for over 2,000 years. That a globally dispersed group would return to their native land and resettle it after 2,000 years is unique in history. Zechariah, for those, for thus says the Lord of hosts, after his glory sent me to the nations who plundered you, for he who touches you touches the apple of God's eye. Israel is very important to God because he has a covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That that promises to us too uh, because we are the beneficiaries of um, the promise that all the world would be blessed. And we have been blessed. We are the evidence of God's faithfulness to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So uh, anybody have any comments, thoughts? Right. Well, you know, the thing with that, the the, the little short video clip, it, it's time compressed, right? Yeah. So we know that um, God works over time uh, to reveal the fullness, right? And you're absolutely right. They don't have the spirit in them. Um, and and for, he doesn't say what each, you know, like, I know what you're saying, but he doesn't say what the... Like when the bones come, in, what period of time is that, right? But we see the evidence that that he, that that Ezekiel's prophecy has has come true. It's not, it won't be completely fulfilled. Correct. Right. Absolutely. And it was a short period of time, like I said, you know, they, at uh, Mount Sinai, uh, shortly after they said, you know, uh, Moses said, uh, do you guys agree uh, with all what God says? He says, yes, we will follow, right? And so they became a nation. They became a, a covenant, you know, uh, they got, basically they became the, the wife of uh, Jehovah. Um, <clears throat> in a very short period of time, uh, they're dancing around the calf, right? I mean, that's how quickly they, they, they fell apart, yeah. Anybody else? Tom? Uh, I know you're running out of time, but yeah. after Ezekiel 37 comes 38, 39. Correct. Yep. You see what's happening geopolitically over in with Russia and their alliance with Iran and Turkey and so forth. So. Mm-hmm. And that's why, you know, that's why that they, they put the time clock, the, the scientists, right? 90 seconds, because what you're saying. Um, we don't know when God's time clock, how close it, but it's close, right? I mean, it's, it's real close. That's all I know. Yeah. yeah. You know, I was thinking about how you started on, on the clock. 
Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you that uh, Israel is Israel, the church is the church. And we, um, we just um, bow down to you and give you thanks for your great goodness and mercy that you have shown uh, Abram, Isaac, and Jacob, and, and uh, that your people are back in the land. And yet they don't know uh, Yeshua, uh, but that time will come. There's much more prophecy yet to be fulfilled uh, in, in the days to come. So we just glorify your holy name and just give you praise and honor and that you are keeping your covenant with your people and with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.